Before we get into anything, I am just curious if you out there in audio land, however you have been listening for the last 30 minutes or so to the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app or 93.3 FM Lynchburg, 1320 AM Lynchburg or 730 AM covering the Gretna Danville Southside area. Curious if any of you picked up my social security number, if Trey had the microphone on during that time frame, because I know you heard a little bit of our conversation a moment ago. So I think I, they heard my entire conversation I was on the phone with someone, my yeah, friend. Well, you know, watch watch out for number one. I mean, we've all learned how the world works in this day and age, some more directly than others, and yes. We will get to that momentarily, but there's the other watching out for, and that is for number one is a station, the Virginia Talk Radio Network, after watching out for myself, of course, uh, and that is, did Trey curse at all during his 30-minute phone conversation? I don't think so. He swears, pun intended, of course, that he did not, but if you heard differently, uh, Please in, don't tell us. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, weigh in somewhere else. I don't know if we really want to know about it. Please don't tell us. Um, you know, I, I, I hope we don't, but... Uh, just, just uh, that's more of a covering CYA thing. Is uh, So don't tell us. How about that? Because oh. now we can plead innocence. Ignorance is bliss in certain spots like this. In the meantime, um, speaking of, watching out for number one. So news has come out today. It's obviously not shocking to gain this information, but I couldn't help but think of the interview that Kennedy Charles did with Emily Austin and company on the Flame Central podcast a couple of days ago. And I mean, look, for the record, that that podcast is produced and done by Liberty University. This is not to badmouth them, but you're less likely to get into the weeds on certain situations that pop up or into the, the grimy details, let's be honest, of how... A lot of roster construction just generally is taking place across the athletic of, athletics landscape in college sports. But it was still a wonderful interview, and it sheds a lot of insight, and we will chat with Emily Austin around 5.30 today to discuss her takeaways on this. Because it's amazing when you consider just the bigger picture of college athletics. And as it relates to everything, we know football is dominant. 80% of the revenue comes from football even a decade or so ago when the ACC was in their erroneous expansion, we might add. Uh, but adding schools like Syracuse and Pittsburgh and eventually Louisville and avoiding schools that could have brought more value in like uh, West Virginia, which would have been a much more logical choice. Alas, what we really have seen also is football drives the boat. So looking at this further, what more than anything drives the boat in football? It's certain position units. And the NFL has obviously set a blueprint for how to properly prioritize building a winning team in an organization. And there are basically two ways to do it. One, have elite coaching and an elite quarterback. And you can certainly see that happen. Kansas City, for example, rebuilding roster, but obviously one of the best coaches and best quarterbacks in the NFL, future Hall of Famers. New England for years, Brady and Belichick did that. And then when Brady went to Tampa Bay, it was just Brady, the player's 20-year knowledge, turning him into a great coach who was, uh, let's be honest, running the offense. We love Bruce Arians and plenty of folks like Trey, who are Virginia Tech guys and gals, do the same. But it was Brady running the ship, at least when they started to click over the second half of their championship season. But then there's the other side. Philadelphia is an example. Last year, San Francisco has carbon copied this blueprint as well. It doesn't really matter who the quarterback is in San Francisco. And in Philadelphia, they've had a quarterback who clearly is overachieved and is bought in. But 
it's taken a while to get up to speed with accuracy. So what have they done? Or Seattle? Or other organizations? Well, you build through the trenches. You build strong offensive lines, strong defensive lines, have the right coaching and systems in place to help those players excel. And then if you have some other parts of your team that can elevate quarterback play, receiver and cornerbacks can determine a lot as well. We've seen where the economics of college sports has gone in that sense. So when you look at the landscape of the transfer portal, in this day and age of college football, it's not a surprise that one of the hardest things to find, more than anything, I would say, are quality linemen. Offensive and defensive linemen. See, it's important to have good wide receivers and cornerbacks, but there are plenty of great athletic players who have really good skill sets and traits. I mean, God bless him, Demario Douglas. We'll use him as an example for Liberty. New England Patriots draft pick. 5'10", they could easily find a way to make him excel. Believe it or not, that's kind of the wide receiver position they've actually hit on as much as people have mocked some of their other flops there. Edelman, Wes Welker, Amendola, they found a way to utilize the underneath guys pretty well. And, and Douglas has the build to be that guy. But here's the truth. I've covered high school sports for long enough. There are guys like Terrell and Trey Edmonds and Tremaine Edmonds from that family who just pop. But there are a lot of other guys who are really athletic, but just happen to be in the, you know, like five foot ten, six foot one range. 190 to 210 pounds when you max out what they can bring together. So plenty of rosters can find those type of guys. Sure, you can get upgrades, but that's the thing. It's a lot harder to find individuals in this world. I know, breaking news here in the fast lane. Common sense, really. It's a lot harder to find individuals who are six foot three around, we'll loosely speak here, 300 pounds and can move like a dancing bear, as Bill Parcells used to say. It's just harder to find that. It's why the best teams in college and pro football that can hoard that much talent in those units oftentimes surge ahead of everyone else. And it's why the Kennedy Charles story is so fascinating from his time at Liberty. And we did the InsaneRadioDeals.com fast take on this today and I'm very curious to get the take of Emily Austin of the Liberty Flames Sports Network. But, you know, Liberty lost Dre Butler, defensive lineman for Liberty, who was part of their rotation, had the Power 5 pedigree, came from Auburn, ironically, to Liberty, and then went back to a Power 5 program in Michigan State. They've had other guys on the defensive line. Darrell Johnson, clearly talented enough. You know, maybe some questions about, you know, what's going on outside of the football playing facility, but clearly talented enough. Transferred to Liberty and eventually got selected uh, or signed on with Dallas as an undrafted free agent. There's clearly talent there. There are others as well for Liberty University. They had a number of guys on the defensive line that were good. And most people notice that if Hugh Freeze could have built a roster, and he did, to beat an SEC team, granted it's Arkansas, not Georgia, Alabama, or LSU, but still a solid SEC program on the road, which Liberty did, it was enough to get the attention. And we've heard the stories now that that was the loss or the win for Liberty that maybe turned into a loss of Hugh Freeze as a head coach because it got the SEC's attention. And again, that none of that makes any of this bad. But for Liberty to have that, they needed those players. Well, do you think when there's a transfer portal window to begin with, when you also look at the fact that a lot of those players that helped Hugh Freeze get the job fit the mold, good offensive linemen, good defensive linemen, 
that when you have a coaching change, for one, guys are naturally going to explore options. Never fault anybody for that. Some guys are going to transfer. Don't fault anybody for that. Some guys are going to do it because strictly money is a factor for them and where their family is. Again, every situation is different. Coaches have done this for years. Players now have access to it. Don't have a fault with it. But it does make what Kennedy Charles has done, sticking around at Liberty, interesting. Because I've heard this from multiple outlets myself. There are a number of Power 5 programs, and this is common sense, really, but a number of Power 5 programs that floated NIL out there and saw if he would take it. And I would imagine the Flames Rising Collective is not John Ruiz at the University of Miami, who's a billionaire and has whatever he needs, but... And it's not some of the collectives you'll find at bigger college programs. But it's good enough to give somebody what he wants. And it's a lesson you can kind of take away that money is a factor for people. And it doesn't make it wrong. I think there's this big perception in society. Oh, so-and-so went for the money. Don't you? A lot of people do. But money is not the only factor. And that's the thing that's interesting. And I think it is a sales point for Certainly Jamie Chadwell and Liberty's picked it up on the recruiting trail lately. They've added linemen, which is a big area of concern, and they've added some linebackers. And I get they're not official, but and you may lose some of those guys to the portal if they develop, but it's why you need a volume of guys that are developable at a place like Liberty. Transfers that may come in from Power 5 programs, Hugh Freeze master that part, guys that have that potential, it's a numbers game. But Kennedy Charles is a guy that easily according to what I've gathered, was targeted. It makes sense that he would have been targeted because he was a good player for Liberty and just the value of players speaks volumes to it. I mean, I know we're going to the offensive line, but it's the same principle here of it being difficult to find quality line play and why schools are so hungry for competition. But the lineman that could have picked Virginia Tech went to Lord Botetot High School. The App State transfer whose name escapes me, but ultimately ended up going to Oklahoma. This past transfer cycle. Oh, I know you're talking about, yeah. You know who I'm talking about, Trey. Somebody could Google it to get the name right. And if you want to share it, please do. Fast Lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But that that guy was not a high-level offensive lineman. At a G5 program, no less. Group of five. Not big program. At a smaller program. Troy Everett. Troy Everett. Thank you. The offensive lineman. This was not a guy where you're going, oh, that's the next Jason Kelsey. A guy from a group of five program who has Hall of Fame NFL potential written all over him. Kelsey may not be the biggest guy, but clearly he's going to the Hall of Fame. One of the best offensive linemen in the NFL in history and a a Super Bowl winning lineman and two-time Super Bowl participant in Philadelphia. I bring that up because Kelsey was at Cincinnati. And granted, it was before the transfer era, but that's the type of guy that programs would identify. You're off your rocker if you think that college football programs at the Power Five level are not putting scouting reports together of certain players at the group of five level or even at the power five level. Because I've heard those stories too of power five programs trying to poach other power five rosters. We've got examples of guys transferring from one power five to transfer up or take the bag. You can look at some guys from my spot, the Miami Hurricanes. You can look at what USC has done the last couple of years. It's basically legal and unenforceable tampering because the NCAA is not going to enforce it and you know, you don't want to nuke bridges in college sports, so very rarely you're going to get a Pat Narduzzi, a Pitt, who's going to rat out other programs or at least call this action out more vehemently than he has. But it, you're stupid if you don't think it's going on. And that's what makes it amazing for Kennedy Charles at Liberty is this fact. Look, probably could have gotten more money to go somewhere else. 
don't mean this disrespectful to the Flames Rising Collective, but again, I'll use Miami as an example. They got a kid named Akeem Mesidor from West Virginia who transferred into Miami last year. I think he's coming back this year. Let's not kid ourselves. Miami's got El Presidente, my guy, John Ruiz. Worth, maybe it was $45 billion and down to $10 billion, but still, billions of dollars. Got the money. If you want to fund the program, and now Miami's gotten other high-profiled alums involved in it, former players like Vince Wilfolk and others who step in and other people, granted, how the money is obtained in Miami, you may be left scratching your head going, hmm, may not be the most nefarious. But hey, as long as it's in the pot, you've got access to it. That's the thing about where this has gone. And Trey, that's the reality is players will be motivated by money, but the nuance that makes it harder to figure out is to what degree. I think for most players, truthfully, and it's not a bad thing, you don't come from good means, you're going to go to the highest bidder, you view your career, even at the college level, different than fans view it. You view it as a job, and you have to bring as much money to the table for your family as possible. And for fair or not, a lot of families have viewed these players as the breadwinner to help them out of adverse situations. Best players know whom to trust and whom to funnel money to and where you got to cut the line off. Mom and dad, get it. Maybe a brother or a sister, get it. 35 hangers on, probably not the wisest move. And that happens. I'll go to another example, Trey, but Jordan Davis, not Jordan Davis, the uh, Jalen Carter, the other defensive tackle from Georgia. They asked how many people were in his circle. And, and, And the fact that everyone knows about his high profile off the field issues with the Drag racing that ultimately resulted in a teammate and a staffer at Georgia being killed this past offseason after he had declared for the NFL draft. And one of the stupidest things you could possibly do hurt his draft stock, went from you know one or two all the way down to nine. Yeah. It's a fall and it is a loss of money, but he's still going to get a lot. But and they were talking about managing. That's a good draft fall. But I mean, for us, of course it is because Philadelphia picks up a talent. But bigger picture, they were talking about him. And why he needed to not go to the Atlanta Falcons, who had a chance to and did not draft him. And I think of all the teams, that was a wise move because he's from the Georgia, from Florida, and went to school in Georgia. You got to get him out of that situation. But they were talking about that. And he goes to a place that has multiple leaders from the defense he was just on. Which is crucial, Trey, because it goes to the point again about Kennedy Charles. And and, and I've heard from folks out there as well, you know, his mom's never seen him play a game. And he's a Haitian, so it's a little bit different. A Haitian immigrant. It's not somebody who's from our backyard in Virginia. You're talking about a guy from the Florida area. There's travel. There are logistics that are involved. But you hear all that, and you can understand why he would be attracted to the highest bidder. And he sticks around at Liberty anyway, and it's what makes it really remarkable. And it does speak to the culture that Jamie Chabell is building. It does speak to the environment at Liberty. Laugh all you want about the Liberty way, and some people have, and some of it's justified. I completely uh, get that and believe that. But it's the fact that for some players... It is all about, in the immortal words of our guy, Kenny Powers, dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. And for some people, it is partially about dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. But there's also a level of nuance to this. And for me, my observation is, for a guy like Kennedy Charles, it is about dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. But that's not the only thing that motivates him. You got to have it. I would imagine there's an NIL deal that's come out. I haven't heard anything specifically regarding that. If someone wants to share it with us, you know how to hit us up. Fast Lane, Ed Lane. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can even check me out uh, on LinkedIn, and that's kind of the, I guess, the LinkedIn link that you would use. Any of those work. Um, but it's just an amazing situation, Real, really, when you look at it in an era where, whether it's that or Darius McGee, you're not going to have that. You're probably more likely to have situations like, especially in a year when you have coaching staff change, and remember Jeremy Garrett, the defensive line coach for Liberty, uh, I believe went with Hugh Freeze to Auburn, but he left. Um, 
the reality is, is you're going to have other players that will hit the portal. And you'll have this in the future for Liberty. You'll have guys that just, they're ready to move on. Maybe they've graduated like a Kyle Road, and they just want to see what else is out there. Again, no fault. You're going to have other guys that come in that are talented players, but Liberty's their next opportunity because they didn't get playing time or they were off the field concerns or maybe a blend of all of that. And if you know how to manage it, and Liberty did great under Hugh Freeze with that, but you know how to manage that, you can build a still talented roster. It, it all goes into the pie, but Trey, this is where there's a level of nuance. You know what is a factor in your stupid, again, I, don't, I know that's harsh, but you are naive and ignorant if you don't believe it's a factor, but the degree to which NIL is a factor, it does depend on where you're focusing your attention. Yeah, it, uh, it depends on a lot. I mean, it, it depends on what you want to do, where you want to go to school. It depends on, you know, simply put, like if you're between two schools, like which offers you the best NIL package, but it could not be from a, a monetary point of view. It could also be from a kind of forward point of view of like, well, if I sign an ID I'll deal with this business and it does certain things in the long run. It could gain me more money. Um, so I, there's a multitude of things. NIL, I think, is still young and still complex and we'll see where it goes. I think it's going to be a kind of, you know, I think there are going to be two points of recruiting. And if you want to go back with uh, with Babcock touched on this, I think traditional recruiting is still a thing, but it's like two parts. Part is the traditional pitch of this is what you're. This is the school. This is the environment. This is how you're going to play here. And then it's the the NIL part of it is the second part of it, and that both factors will ultimately play in how a decision is made. Um, can we? Uh, I have some good news too, by the way. All right. I texted my sources. I did not curse during the point the oh, mic was hot. Oh, oh, thank God. And and that's assuming it was on. I I'm starting to think my elbow hit it. Because I was listening to Maggie and Perloff while this was going on, and I could hear it clearly. And then, obviously, the way the studio works, I wouldn't be able to hear it if the mic was on. So I think during the, they did hear me hit with the classic "see you later" alligator, um, and that that I don't know how to feel about. But other than that, we're good. You know, uh, that warms my heart. Uh, if you heard something different, I guess you can let us know at Trailal VT or, or through maybe, direct messages. Yes, fast lane, Ned Lane. We would appreciate the direct messages. Slide into our DMs on that one, please, so that we can handle this uh, more covertly. No, I, I think we dodged one right there. But for Liberty, you're not going to have this happen every time with the transfer portal. But if you have the right culture, it increases the chances that you will retain some players if especially they can build a collective. And from, you know, again, comparing it to a power five is a little ridiculous, I would say, but comparing it to a group of five and where you believe you can reasonably dominate, uh, I think it's very strong in that regard. If you have thoughts on this, by the way, and we've got some, we'll get to this tomorrow in the fast lane because we've got Emily Austin of Liberty Flame Sports Network coming up momentarily. Please share them with us, Fast Lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. When we return, she will share her thoughts on that. Also, the transition more from an overview standpoint from Hugh Freeze to Jamie Chabwell and maybe a little bit on Liberty basketball as well as things are starting to take shape for that as well. We'll have a bigger chat with her coming up in the next couple of weeks because we want to get kind of an overview, but uh, you know, it's good to catch up with her. So we'll chat with her next in the fast lane and then the fast five at five ish plus what he said and what he meant leadership lessons that we can take from a William and Mary grad that Still to come here in the Fast Lane across the Virginia Talk Radio Network.